0: everyone. Welcome to Adventures in Autism episode 57. I am Megan Carranza. Thank you so much for coming to listen. I'm wondering if this is like season two now since we're a year in with the podcast. No, I'm not actually going to do that. We're just going to keep keep going by episode numbers. But it does feel like we are like entering a new phase which is really fun and exciting so I do want to say thank you so much to everyone who reached out after last week's episode the the one-year episode that I had recorded with my sister It sounds like you guys enjoyed listening to it. You thought it was fun. Everyone seemed to enjoy our crazy antics, so I appreciate you indulging us, especially with our singing. (laughs) We are just, we are a little bit crazy, and that's okay. So I think I will probably bring Melissa back for another Q&A episode in the future. I have more questions that I didn't get to from the last episode, but I'm always looking for more. So if you have any questions, definitely Send them my way. Um, But for today's episode, I am super excited. I have two guests today. It's my first time welcoming a couple. I have Sandy and Chris Coulter, who are autism parents, and they also have a podcast called Parenting Autism. So we talk all about their journey as parents and starting a podcast and kind of what led them to that and everything that kind of goes into it. And it was really fun to get to talk to a couple because I know on, on last week's episode, that was one of the questions I got was just about marriage. And that's something that comes up quite a bit for me. And just in terms of like emails and messages and people wanting, you know, kind of like tips and how I keep my marriage like happy and healthy, but it was nice to talk to another couple and kind of hear their perspective. So Sandy and Chris were, were just really sweet and we had a really really nice chat and it was fun to to kind of hear marriage from from both sides at the same time so i hope you guys enjoyed listening and without further ado here is sandy and chris hi sandy and chris welcome to adventures in autism hi megan um. hi so this is fun because i have double your pleasure double your fun (laughs) but double (laughs) my (laughs) fun. Uh, But we'll see how this goes. (laughs) You know, you just like got to learn on your feet. So Sandy had actually reached out to me several months back now when she was starting her podcast, Sandy and Chris have their own podcast called parenting autism, which is wonderful. And, You had just reached out to me so sweetly and you were like, you inspired me to to go for it and start the podcast, which I love. That's awesome. And now you guys are doing amazing, rocking it with your podcast. So I was talking with you guys beforehand and because you have so much great content on your show, I don't want to like, I want people to go listen to Parenting Autism (laughs) because there's so much to listen to there. But to start with, I would like for you guys to take us back to... The beginning of your journey and maybe just kind of give us like an abbreviated version of sort of like how you fell into this world <laughs> <Sure>.
1: <laughs> you got it yeah I'll, just, I'll give you some headlines and okay <laughs> and again we have it in depth about our son bryce if you go right. to episode one um, but we also mentioned our nephew who is now 20 and he was diagnosed with autism when he was three so we actually were introduced to autism through his world and as we all know now each child with autism is each child with autism and <laughs> there's <laughs> some core similarities but there's a lot of differences so his signs were very different than our son's signs so we really weren't suspecting autism with our son based on what we knew with our nephew uh, but with our son in his situation he was Actually, uh, again, we go into this in great detail, but he was born healthy, a fine delivery. And then less than 48 or less than 72 hours later, he had a brain hemorrhage. And it was grade four and it was very touch and go um, for several weeks. Um, But we were able to bring him home and, you know, was a monitor and and under a neuro neurosurgeons care and I can't even talk Megan <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh.
1: but anyway anyway um but the great news is you know we were watching him so closely for all of his developments because of the brain hemorrhage right.
2: mm-hmm.
1: that's what really had us all focused and everything was going fine and he actually had a lot of words he wasn't speaking sentences but he had a lot of words and so there was language and there was interaction and there was no reason to think that there was anything actually going wrong. Everything was going right. And we even were able to wean him off of his seizure medication right before his second birthday. And I remember us talking, saying, wow, once we get him off the seizure medication, his brain should really speed up and he's just going to like flourish and boom. And instead he started regressing and losing his language and stopped interacting with us. And, became anxious and like my parents who he was very close to became strangers to him and it was it was really sad it
3: was hard and you know sandy had that women's intuition where (laughs) she had more of the heartbeat of okay i don't think he's hitting his milestones now and i think we're losing language and i'm and i said okay well okay (laughs) you know i i think you might be right there but i i just didn't it's hard to see when it's such a slow process you know mm-hmm. uh when your kiddo just starts using less language it's not okay one day he's talking you know and then next day he's not it doesn't work like that so it was a gradual decline and you know when we finally got him evaluated not too long after sandy said hey i think something's going on then And we found out the real deal.
1: Yeah. And I think my other real clue on that was not just that he was like, he wasn't stringing words together. And I knew that was the next step, you know, where Mm -hmm. they're supposed to put two or three words together. And I'm like, "Mm, that's not happening. But it was when he started doing his, his stemming, which I did not know that that Mm -hmm. was stemming, but he would get so excited that he would literally break into a full body sweat like things would excite him and he would flap, and we didn't know what flapping was, but those little hands were going full <laughs> force and he was so happy. And we'd be like, this is good. Cause he's happy and he's excited, mm-hmm. but this isn't normal. And I would even video it. And I sent it to my mom. I'm like, look at him. I mean, this is, does this look right to you? And she's like, Oh, he's just excited. <laughs> it's <okay." I> mean. <laughs> All right. I, I think there's a little more to this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, But it was the, the combination of those kind of things. And then uh, I did know from other friends who had gone through a similar path that if he wasn't pointing at things, that was a red flag. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started thinking about that and I was really just starting to pay attention. So we knew about, uh, it's called early steps here in Florida. So that's mm-hmm. when we took him to the early steps. And I have to say that day that we went, we had already taken him to a, um, for language and I don't think they were clued into anything and Bryce was getting nothing out of that. So we were just kind of like biding time. till we got in with early steps. And then when we got in there, I just remember it being a little overwhelming because you have one person who's asking you all these questions while one person is on the floor playing with your son. And one person is over there typing all the data. And she was asking us all these questions. And, um, you know, I, I, I didn't realize until that day that they thought he had autism.
3: Yeah. And then Oh really? Yeah.
1: That's the day that was the awakening. I mean, for we, me.
3: we kind of knew something was going on, but I don't know that we actually knew that it was autism. Yeah. No. And I don't think even though we knew something was going on, we weren't prepared to to hear that word. And after they said that word, it was like Wah 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 wah
1: <laughs> yeah. wah, 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 wah wah. You know. <laughs> yeah, I, and that you know, I just started. I started crying at that point, only because. And then she's real, because of course they can't diagnose him. They're just saying we're not saying he has it. We're just saying he meets a lot of the red flags that you might want to, you know, go check it out. But I knew in my heart then, like, yeah, they're they're right, mm-hmm. you know. But I think I thought it had to do with his brain hemorrhage, yeah. mm. so. You know, that's what I was thinking mm-hmm. that it really had maybe because we knew that they told us, you know, his brains could rewire, which is a great thing because otherwise he would have most likely had cerebral palsy blindness because of the area where the bleed was. It was very large, mm-hmm. um, but it did rewire. And so we knew he could see
2: mm-hmm.
1: he had all his motor skills. So we weren't seeing the flags for cerebral palsy or for blindness. And but his, we just weren't thinking
3: autism. His now. pediatrician, you know, and as we hear a lot, pediatricians, they weren't recognizing these types of uh, symptoms or signs. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
3: and they are, I think they are more now that it's become more prevalent. But our pediatrician. They did, kind
1: of blew through it. They
3: just kind of blew it off. Because
1: I asked, you know, should I be concerned? And all they did was, oh, here's a speech therapist if you want to take him. But mm. yeah. he's a boy. You know.
2: Right. He right. could be delayed. Yeah.
1: Okay. And then I do remember, like going to the pediatrician when for his two year checkup, and she had an iPad in front of her and she must have had like all these questions, but she kind of blew through them. Mm -hmm. And apparently that's the questions that's supposed to be screening for autism.
2: Mm.
1: But I would not call that. Thorough screening for autism (laughs) that I experienced because they have so many patients and you know, you have your 15 minutes and they want you in and they want you out to be really honest. So So, we've changed pediatricians since then, but that's definitely... Mm-hmm. yeah what
3: that and we that already happened. established with a neurologist because of his stroke so yeah. we just went down to him and sandy had recorded bryce doing some things mm-hmm. and uh within five minutes we were in his office he came in and he observed bryce and watched the video that sandy had taken and he says i'm so sorry he, buddy, he
1: stepped <laughs> back he goes i'm so sorry and we're like you don't need yeah, to yeah. apologize. It's knows, okay. We know that we had
3: already been through so much with them. Yeah. So. Yeah. We didn't I want to be like, the bearer
1: of bad news. but we're like, it's okay. It really is. We're just here to get what we need to get so we can get him help. That
0: was yeah. it. Um, I know like for, for me and my husband, and I think, I mean, I, more, more often than not, I feel like when you make that step to actually, you know, go and have them evaluated, like you kind of know what's waiting for you. Yes. So as much as, you know, whoever doctor is the the one to kind of hand out the diagnosis, it's like, you're, you're kind of waiting for that. But that, that's interesting though, that, so when you took him to, like you said, it's called early steps, Mm -hmm. that was just to get him evaluated, like for services, but they actually did bring up like an did. That's interesting to me because, so this is like new information. I recently just had my youngest screened for more for physical issues, she's actually totally fine. She didn't even qualify for early intervention, but she's 16 months and she's not walking yet. So I had, I had her screened for early intervention here. And when they do any kind of evaluation, they always will do a developmental evaluation with it. So like when Logan was screened for early intervention, they had, we we were really just concerned about his speech at that point. So they had brought a speech therapist, but they also brought the developmental therapist. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting because it was the same developmental therapist that logan had seen oh wow ago. yeah <laughs> she's actually she agreed to be a guest in the podcast so stay tuned for that that's okay <laughs> but i said to her because this was like years of questions that i had thought about from from that time from because he was not even two yet when we had had him initially evaluated with early intervention okay. and nobody said to me you might want to look into an autism diagnosis. Nobody even, the whole time we did early intervention, it was over a year. Because like I said, it was 20 months when he was evaluated. And then he aged out at age three. No, not one person said to me, you should think about having him evaluated. And the only, his, his OT actually said the words to me, oh no, he doesn't have autism. Wow. And, wow. so when I hear people say like, as much as that probably was difficult for you to hear in that moment, when they said like, Oh, he's meeting these requirements or the, you know, kind of red flags for autism. Yeah. I, I'm very thankful when I hear stuff like that. Cause I'm like, okay, people are, there, there are people out there that are like pointing you in the right direction. Cause I felt very like misled to be honest. I agree yeah. with you a hundred percent. Yeah. 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 Because now looking back, I think about, oh my gosh, like if we could have gotten Logan right. diagnosed, you know, at that point, like where would he be now? I, I hate to live in that and I try really hard not to, but I can't help but think about that sometimes. You
1: can't help but to
0: think yeah. of yeah. that. I, I get as, it.
3: As soon as you do get that diagnosis the next day or even that same day, you're like, okay, how can I help Right? Yeah. Then
1: you get your wheels in motion and you know that the wheels take a long time to get in motion even oh, once you know. question so.
0: for you. That, yeah. yeah, That's my next question is, so, okay, you guys, you, you got the diagnosis and so how old is Bryce now? He's five. He'll be six on October 5th. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so he's almost six. So, yep. and he was diagnosed at like two, two and a half, two and a half. So again, cause I, there's stuff that I want to get to with you guys kind of give us a brief summary of what has gone on in these last two and a half years then, or almost three, like getting him from the diagnosis until now.
3: Oh, yeah. Wow. You want to take that one? Uh, no, you can start us <laughs> off. And I'll, I'll try <laughs>
1: with. <laughs> uh, okay, well, I will say that, you know, as with most parents, our question was to our neurologist, of all the therapies, what do you think is best? Because we don't know. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think our focus was, we would think language and speech because you know, he wasn't talking Mm -hmm. as much, but he kept saying ABA, ABA, ABA. And we didn't even know what ABA was or what it meant. And I know you're a huge advocate of it, which is great. Like I didn't know anything positive or negative. All I knew was that's what he said we should do, Mm -hmm. but it was very difficult. And then the insurance that Bryce had at the time, they did not have any providers for ABA. Mm -hmm. So we knew that that was not. An immediate option, and the hourly rate is is just insane. It's so <laughs> it does expensive. not go with. It's just not even a possibility. So it's no. like okay,
2: mm-hmm.
1: that's to the side. Let's get him what he can get, which was the language and the occupational therapy. Mm-hmm. So that's where we went first, and we got him signed up with um, somebody that was highly mm-hmm. recommended, mm-hmm. and she was great. I mean we were trying to get him to say give me and then you know kind of fill in the blank she had him in there with her for less than an hour and she recorded where he was already saying it like she was a wonder worker wow so we were very encouraged um that we were actually starting to see something progressing instead of regressing and that that was
3: three hours a week for three hours of language and three hours of ot each week
1: yeah and that started right Um, probably within a month after Mm -hmm. he was diagnosed and he had those services for a little over two years. Mm -hmm. So, um, and we also got him, um, through our early steps, they did provide a lady that came to our home and she was a BCBA. And yes, so we got those services from like June till he turned three in Mm -hmm. October and then those stopped, but it was enough that she could come in and she could show us some stuff to work with him. She was very encouraging and, um, and we're still very good friends with her and we hope to have her on our podcast (laughs) when she gets the nerve to do it, but, um, anyway, she's wonderful. And so she really helped calm our nerves. She was very encouraging and saying, you know, he's going to be okay. Um, You know, we just got to help him. And, you know, it wasn't Mm -hmm. the negative that I hear so many people have received. We received all positive and encouraging people in our circle, which was wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, So we did have her come in, but again, then the ABA stopped. So when he turned three, Instead of ABA, then we got him into the school mm-hmm. through the public school. They had the ESE, which is the exceptional student, student. education.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so the lady that was his teacher, he actually had her for two years because his birthday's in October. Um, He was able to do a year with her from October to the end of the school year. And then the following year from August to May. So that was great.
2: And she was great.
1: She was great. And she was actually studying to become a BCBA. So all of her teaching and working with the kids had those philosophies. So we felt like he was getting some, what, BCBA (laughs) while he was at school, in addition to the language and the OT that he was getting. And then we were able to get ABA one year after his diagnosis, um, because insurance changed, mm-hmm. and we don't even know how it happened, other than we know it was a gift from God, because we have been <laughs> applying, and then we didn't hear anything from them. And I'm not kidding you, Megan. All of a sudden, we got a letter in the mail, and it said you're approved.
2: Yep. Came out <laughs> of the blue. Oh.
1: <laughs> I did not ask twice. I said okay. Sign us up. And yeah, and we reached out to where uh, the lady that came to our home. Her name is Diana. And we reached out to the company she worked with and they actually assigned, they called her and said, we have this little boy. And they described him. She goes, is his name Bryce? And they're like, yes. And she got him. So she had his case again. So we're like, oh, wow. Yeah. So it was really unique how that happened. Yeah. Yeah. And then as it came for the out of the blue, I just had this feeling that one year later it would leave out of the blue Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it did. So he had those services for a year. And then they changed his insurance provider again.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: but by that time, there was another company that was available and they were doing ABA. So he missed like maybe a month and a half. And we got him back on with the same company. And then when he turned five, everything stopped.
3: Yeah. Here in Florida, when you turn five, they switch you over to something called Sunshine Health Stars, which is probably an insurance plan that you and I are more... Uh, familiar with, with a deductible and co-pays for, you know, each visit type of thing. But they were so limited on the number of visits that it really wouldn't have done him any good to to go on a uh, speech or OT through that plan because it, it, w- it would have been like a month and a half or maybe two months max of services for that the we year. would have received for the year. Mm-hmm. And uh, they did not cover um, ABA at all. And so... They
1: considered ABA um, experimental
3: mm-hmm.
1: and not proven. Wow. So they would cover it. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. So, so um, we were stuck again. <laughs> we
1: were stuck again without ABA, but... In that
3: timeline, and without speech and OT. Well, I was going
1: to say because um, he, we kept the speech and language right before he turned five. We put in, we made the decision to put him into a, a streamlined typical VPK and keep the ESE VPK, so that if, way he uh, would I, still have.
0: I'm sorry, I don't know these abbreviations you're using okay it might be like so thing.
1: you know um like vpk is like four-year-old pre-kindergarten <laughs> okay gotcha
0: okay okay we, so we just call when, that like what preschool. do you call it we call it preschool
2: <laughs>
1: there you go okay, there so there go. yeah so they changed it to vpk so preschool there we go okay preschool. um so okay. for four-year-old preschool um we decided to go ahead and leave him in the public school system with an iep where he would still get language and ot there you know which wasn't the same as an outside source but we felt like he needed more social because he wasn't getting aba so we stopped the outside services for the language and the occupational therapy um when school started and that again this was when he was four this was last year and so i felt like well we agreed you know because actually we, we weren't going to do it and then we did it and, then, and an opening came available and It was a great decision to do and we're like okay let's get him in there
3: so he had public school uh, preschool in the morning Mm -hmm. and then we were able to get him into a private uh, christian school for the afternoon session so that's the private christian school was where he was able to be in a neurotypical environment whereas in the morning the pre-k or preschool ese program that would be all kids with autism or other developmental disabilities so um, our aba therapist said you know be careful about keeping him in with um, his peers that have autism because he may pick up um, behaviors Mm -hmm. from, from those kids also and he also may not be able to progress as much as if he was with uh, typical kiddos. Mm-hmm. And so that was what the setup looked like. He had public school in the morning and then the the private school in the afternoon, which was free here in Florida. Uh, so we're very, very blessed to have that.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a really good setup because that's something like with Logan, I'm always kind of cognizant of. And what we had talked about when we were initially getting him ready for kindergarten, because we had kind of, toured every school, looked at all of our options and we felt like the best placement for him was in a self-contained class. So he is with other, you know, students with autism, but I really wanted him to have inclusion time because it's, it's in a typical school. So because it's a co-op, his, his school kind of just like hosts his class there. Mm -hmm. So I was really pushing for him to get inclusion time with his, his typical peers in kindergarten. And when the year first started, he didn't get much, but as, as the year went on, he got more. And now this year he's in first grade, although it's, his program is K through two. So he's still with the same teacher and the same team, which is great. Cause we love them, but he is getting more inclusion time this year, because like you said, I mean, there's, there's definitely, there's good and bad. Cause it's like, I want right. his here. So he's not, you know, struggling to keep up, but at the same time, I definitely think there are some behaviors that he has he's picked up at school and also, you know, most of the kids in his class are in they they're varying kind of like degrees of of autism because as we know it's a right. spectrum. So, but most of them I would say are in in a pretty similar spot that Logan is and you know, you do you want them to learn from their typical peers also. So, that's great that he was able to kind of have like both sides of the coin.
3: Well, yeah, it it is a balancing act, you know, as a parent to try to do the best for your child, you know, you don't want to push them too far to where they can't thrive, you know, but you don't want to be lackadaisical about it either, mm-hmm. and and keep them in maybe a self-contained classroom for us in our situation anyway, and and wonder what it could have been, you know, so this year, we decided, hey, let's mainstream him in the kindergarten, and uh, we're fortunate that he has a helper part of the time with the teacher in there. And uh, you know, hey, if it doesn't work, we can always pull back a step, but if it does, terrific.
0: That was gonna be my next question. So he, so he started kindergarten. So we're like mm-hmm. a few weeks into the school year now. How is he doing? Yeah, I think so
1: far, so very good. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean, really, because they we had the kind of push you know it was two iep long meetings okay. <laughs> to get us all on the same page but um he, so far his teacher's great yeah. and i did ask her you know if she's had children on the spectrum in her classrooms before because this is her seventh year of teaching either kindergarten or first grade and she said every year so that made me feel better that at least it's familiar to her yeah. mm-hmm. and so she knows we're very involved and mm-hmm. that's great in fact, the, he's had two minor issues. Um, one was music class because he freaks out with live instruments. Oh, you
0: mentioned that to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And we didn't know that they were having that as a resource. But Chris was able to go a couple times after school um, with the ESE coordinator and take him there. And one time they got him to the classroom door and then the next time they got him in and now he asks he's very routine so he knows what happens on each day of the week and so now he knows tuesdays his music class and he'll tell us what song they sang and he's very happy with it and he yeah. played the drums this week yeah. so he was very happy himself with that
3: but when we when they first tried he would not even go through the door the door was closed and I don't know if he heard music coming yeah. from the room or what, but they would, he would not even go near the room. And as a matter of fact, he turned around and started going the other way. He wanted to leave the building. Yeah, he was screaming, because,
1: it's dangerous, it's yeah. dangerous, it's Aww. not
3: Yeah, yeah. so... I was able to go back to the school and say, hey, you know, what can we do? And we have a great ESE coordinator there. And she says, "Okay, well, what if we try going through the back door through the stage entrance instead of the regular hallway entrance? I said, that's a great plan. Mm -hmm. So we went up through the the stage and we went around the corner. And when we came around the corner, he saw the room with the instruments and then he, he froze And he's like, no, that's, that's dangerous. Uh, I can't do that. And um, so we spent a few more minutes trying to coax him in and it didn't quite work that day. And I said, that's fine. We got this far. I said, let's try again. So we, we tried later in the week and we were able to get him into the room and uh, he found, I don't know, out of all the things there, he found a little airplane to play with in a music room and you know, he
1: loves airplanes. He loves
3: airplanes. Aww. So uh, we were able to play the xylophone briefly and play with the airplane. And then from there, he's been able to come into the room and just thrive in there. And um, we're just so thankful for that.
1: Yeah. He seems to be doing re- really well. And the other little thing was that she said he was having a difficult time with his morning routine of like putting his lunchbox in his cubby and then hanging his backpack and then going to his seat not somebody else's mm-hmm. and so he's very very visual so we created a chart like with the picture of his cubby and the backpack and the lunchbox and his desk and his chair and Put all that and laminated it and so we sent that to school with him yesterday and she wrote back and said it worked wonders yeah. so we're like okay so we're just conquering one thing at a time
2: yeah but
1: we have a great team there and they're they really want him to succeed yeah and that was another reason why we wanted to keep him at this school is that they all knew him from the prior year being there for um pre-k mm-hmm. and the self contained unit that they were wanting to send him to was a totally different school where no one would know him and he would be starting fresh again. And so, you know, it we again, you know, you talk about parenting and parenting together, and we had to really make those decisions because. We were not on the same page for a Mm -hmm. while Chris really wanted to send him to a a private Christian school because it would be like a smaller student to teacher ratio, Mm -hmm. which I get that but I felt I felt like at the public school they knew him and we have the law on our side and there's just a lot more resources available there, Mm -hmm. you know, because if something went awry, they can't just say, well, we can't have him at our school anymore. They have Mm -hmm. to, you have to work through a solution where if it's at a private school, they're entitled to that to say, you know what, this isn't working for us. So,
3: so we had several long talks about that particular decision and we were in prayer about it. And, um, you know, after just thinking about the whole picture of him knowing the people and knowing their hearts where he's currently going to school. You know, it's, it's such a great team that I just, I didn't want to switch him out of that environment.
0: Mm -hmm. It sounds like he's doing amazing. And the, you know, the the little kind of hurdles that he's having to overcome, he's like really maneuvering quickly and adapting so well.
1: Yeah. And we're very, very fortunate that way that he, He does have his issues, but he seems to come through them quickly. And that's what I'll tell Chris, you know, thank God we got him off of that, you know, in 30 minutes or less, where sometimes I know that there's parents or even with Bryce, it used to be hours, you know, (laughs) now it's like, you know, 15, 20 minutes. So he's definitely... He, he's doing well.
3: Yeah. Uh, and, for sure. And we're going we're gonna to have a, a meeting uh, probably in the next 30 days with the team, you know, probably kind of like an unofficial IEP meeting yeah. to say, hey, are we all on the same page? How's he doing? Where can we help? And we're, we're in touch with the teacher through a special app that they use for the school system, which is great. But, you know, face to face, you can kind of get more of an idea of how it's really going.
0: I totally agree. Yeah, I already went once to Logan's school for like observing. And then same thing, I want to schedule a a meeting in the next like month or so. I feel like that is just the key to like everything is like when you said face to face, you can sit there and kind of hash things out. Because same thing, we, we have an app too. And I'll, I'll, you know, message with his teacher back and forth on there. But I just think that, I mean, I think with any kid, it's important to have that communication with a teacher, but yeah, I mean, when you have a kid with autism, and especially, like, for me, with Logan, like, he is not verbal, so he can't tell me, like, yeah, Mom, I did this today, or I'm having a hard time with this, so... Yeah, we don't get that either, so I totally get that. Well, you said he told you what song he sang,
1: so I didn't know how. That's that's the biggest... That's a yeah amazing, (laughs) right? Because he just said, sing Jingle bell It's not because we ask it. At nighttime, he confesses, or he just, like, Whatever happens during the day, he unloads it at night. It's like Sometimes, he's unloading his yeah. computer. But
3: we don't get it all in one shot. No. You know? It'll be like, oh, my friend so-and-so today. And we're like, oh, you have a friend. And <laughs> and they have a name.
2: <laughs> oh, no. He's oh, answering good.
1: a question that you asked five hours earlier, five hours later. And then you'll be like, what, yeah. what, what does that mean? <clears throat> oh, because we asked him that, you know, yeah. five
0: hours ago. Okay. So he is verbal, but it's more limited.
3: It's difficult. Yeah. Yeah, His sentences are fragmented and uh, we don't really have a back and forth conversation. Yeah,
1: there's no conversation. more of us
3: asking him things and we're lucky if we get a good answer.
1: But he's able to tell us all his thoughts and needs, which I know you don't have that with Logan. So yeah, we're really grateful for that. Like he can express what he's wanting if and he's what hungry, he's
3: thinking or if he wants to go somewhere. Yeah. 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 So,
1: yeah. He's doing good in that department.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, Logan can't verbally tell us, but he will, he'll always make his feelings known. So <laughs> That's good. Good. that is good. <laughs> yeah. So we're lucky in that way. Yeah. Um, okay. So you kind of touched on it a little bit, but obviously having the two of you, I, I do want to talk about just parenting and relationships in relation to, you know, autism and yeah, how that affects a, a family and a marriage? Bryce is your only child, correct? Yes correct. okay. So how I mean this is a very there's a lot to unpack with this question, but <laughs> I guess my my first question would be like, how do you feel like autism has affected your relationship like good or bad?
2: Okay. Wow. You okay. Go? Uh, well, no, you, you go first.
1: I can go, sure. <laughs> the answer is yes, it has affected our marriage. There's yeah. no doubt. Yeah. And I think probably the obvious is that you lose a lot of your quality time that you may have had before because mm-hmm. you get lost. You very much get lost in the diagnosis and how are we going to take care of him. Um, and you forget that you're supposed to put the oxygen mask on yourself first and then take care of your child. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, and I think it's important to put the oxygen mask on your marriage so that you can take care of your child, but that's hard. It's hard. And and Mm -hmm. for Chris and I, um,
3: well, as far as babysitters go, you know, it's like you have a very short list of who you can trust. So, Mm -hmm. uh, and even then they're most likely coming to your home instead of you taking them there So it really limits the amount of alone time that, that Sandy and I can get together, especially at home. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. So we definitely were impacted by that. And, you know, fast forward three years, it's getting better, but, um, I think what it also affected our marriage was, um, Chris kind of, you know, we talked about it in one of our episodes, but he, he went into a depression of sorts and Mm -hmm. it was tough. It was really, really hard. And so, you know, for me, I could see him slipping away. At the same time, I'm trying to get Bryce back, who had regressed, and I'm trying to get Chris back, who is, you know, in a, a bad place. And mm-hmm. it was delicate, and it was like walking on eggshells, as you know, because you want don't want to say the wrong thing. And it was hard. It was really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we were able to have some heart-to-hearts. And, um, you know, and, and take some steps that has been really helpful. And so this year we have both made a commitment that we need to really get our, our marriage and our relationship as a higher priority, you know, Mm -hmm. there's God, and then there's us. And then there's Bryce because Mm -hmm. we got to get us together. Uh, and so it just so happened that, uh, we got an email from our church and they were doing a special class just on marriages they called it re-engage and believe me there we heard a lot of testimonies of marriages and ours felt really good compared to a lot of people's problems <laughs> however you know it's still we had our own struggle so we had to kind of dig deep and it was really good and we both agreed let's be really honest with this because you're only going to get out of this what you put into it
2: mm-hmm. and so
1: because we did Um, And it was, how many months was that, honey? A
2: lot. A lot. Yeah, I think it was like 18 weeks. (laughs) It was a lot.
1: It was a huge commitment. Um, But we really started looking forward to it because- We got to talk and we got to connect, and they had childcare there that we trusted, so it was like date night for
0: us. I was, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm ready to come to Florida. So <laughs> right.
1: so childcare too—that's like I'm amazing. telling you, girl. It was great. <laughs> so it was—it really, really was good, and we could feel like the difference in our marriage, like like wow, this is getting so much better. And I could see Chris's, you know coming out of the dark and, and just Mm -hmm. so many things, Um, you know, and and so, yeah, it definitely has taken its toll on us individually and then together for our marriage, but it just takes a lot of hard work and it takes intentionality of focusing on it and saying, you know what, we got to call a spade a spade. And if we're having a problem, let's figure out how we can address this, you know, and then you do have your hurdles of difference of opinions on things, whether it's um, discipline, whether it's you know, uh, tr- medical treatments, whether it's like we were talking about with school, there's, there's so many decisions you have to make, Yeah. but getting on that same page is really, really important.
3: Yeah. I, I think, you know, having, we had a great marriage before Bryce came yeah. and, and, and we still had a great marriage after he came, but when you add autism into the mix, I think that's just another level of stress and anxiety that, that, goes on to the marriage you know Mm -hmm. and and I personally I I think I just got overwhelmed because I wanted to help him so much and I feel like I was treading water Mm
2: -hmm. and
3: um and and that took my focus off of Sandy and so it was just it was not a good situation for me and i I sought out help and they were able to prescribe me some medication, which I recently just got off of. Uh, It just turned me around. It felt like uh, I was in the surf and a hurricane was out there and I was just getting pummeled by waves over and over again. And I just couldn't get up and Mm -hmm. the medicine helped me get back on my feet to feel like I did before all of that happened. And I'm just, so thankful for that now. And and I don't, without the medicine, I don't think I would have been able to get out of that. You know what I mean?
0: I really appreciate you sharing that. And I, I think that it's really, I'm, I'm really impressed with your, just your perspective on the situation. Cause I feel like so often when we are faced with feelings like that, and I think, you know, as parents in general, it's hard and then add autism to it. And it's a little bit harder. And I think there is still a stigma around that of like you know asking for help or knowing when you need help. but when you do ask for help or get that help that you need it it just it makes all the difference in the world. yes,
3: it does and you and you have to be able to talk to your spouse about it because if you keep it to yourself, it's just that much more worse. I mean it's just it's bad mm-hmm. and uh, so we were able to talk about it and you know Sandy, she's bold she. You know, if she notices something's not right, she'll speak up, and that's one of just one of the many, many things that I love about her. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> so we've been able to to battle everything head on, and uh, we're coming out the other side. You know, on top of the water.
0: Yeah. So He's glad the, that yeah, individually you're doing better, Chris, but also that it sounds like you guys are are really thriving in your marriage too, which is amazing.
3: Yeah, it just takes work, you know, everything yeah. takes work and, and, and perspective also.
0: Yeah. yeah. Cause our
1: marriage, like he was saying, you know, we'll be married 15 years this year. Right. And we had, you know, a, a really open dialogue. We worked together well, cause we have a photography business and, um, you know, so we worked together side by side for years, which was mm. great. And that kind of had to change the dynamic, which was another thing after Bryce, Um, was born and then diagnosed, I had to go back and get like a a regular, you know, five day a week job um, to give us stability. And Chris was the primary caregiver for Bryce to take him from class to class, you know, or therapy to therapy. Mm -hmm. And it fell more on him than it did on me, um, as far as all of that. So yeah, I think that weighed on his mind as well, because he had that constantly, He didn't get the break that I got to a degree and Grant and I was working, but I had that break from the reality that our son has autism yeah. for no, it is hours a, a week. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: I only work part time and I always yeah. say that. I'm like the, my, my job is, is still a break for sure. <laughs> like, it you know? is. I always joke. It I'm is. like, when I go to work, it's like a vacation. Cause I don't have to like think about really anything besides just like what I'm doing at work. And yeah,
1: yeah, it's a mental distraction so that, because sometimes, you know, when, when you're in the thick of things, sometimes you just have to face it and be like, wow, this, this really is tough. (laughs) You know, (laughs) this is real and it's hard and you have your little pity party for the day and then you pick up back up the next day and you're like, okay, let's keep on going. But
3: I think it is hard. Another part of the depression was that, you know, as guys, I think it's in our genes that you know, we're supposed to be the provider of the family, you know. So when I was at home with Bryce, I felt like there was this tug of to, of me to to go get a job full time so that I could be the breadwinner. But mm. you know, it just didn't work out that way. And so I was left with that void of, you know, I'm supposed to be the provider. I'm supposed to be bringing in the income and, you know, Sandy, you know, the traditional family, mm-hmm. you know, from the sixties and seventies or fifties, you know, the, the man was the provider and the woman would stay home with, with the child, you know? So I don't, it, it just felt like it was in my genes that that I had to be the one out there making the money, but it just didn't work out that way. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm okay with that now.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and then we talked about it cause I'm like, Hey, I can switch, but he knew that I was called to this job. Yeah. And he knew it. It was very, very clear and that he was supposed to do that because I said, it's not worth it to me if it's going to upset you. But he knew that that Mm -hmm. was it. But at the same time that he was feeling probably what was like that guilt of not providing, I was feeling the guilt that I'm not there as his mom and I'm not there every day for him. You know, like we're supposed to be traditionally. And, you know, I'm not taking him to the therapy classes and all these other moms are there you know, at the therapist and all those moms are there at the school dropping them off and picking them up. And here's Chris going and sending me. And I remember the first time I went to Bryce's, uh, cause I made a point that if he had a field trip, I went mm-hmm. and I remember showing up and they're like, Oh, you're who Bryce's are you? Mom. You know, exactly. <laughs> I definitely got that vibe yeah. from some of the moms. Well, others were very warm, but some were like, Oh, okay. There she is. She does <laughs> exist. You know what I mean? So I was like, yeah. You kind of let that stuff roll, but that's just the reality that adds to these things, you know.
0: Yeah, for sure. It seems like yeah, you you both were kind of struggling with those roles, but honestly, like as an outsider, I respect the hell out of a stay-at-home dad and a mom. Yeah, I agree. That you guys like who cares? I like I'm just one of those people. Like if you if it works for you guys and this is what your family needs to do, like right now or forever like keep on keep it on you know what i mean
2: yeah i do
1: and and i'm gonna tell your listeners what i tell chris when this does come up you know he has so much more value than w2 what he does for our son and for our family you cannot put a price on that Mm -hmm. and there are so many fathers that they're so busy out there trying to make that dollar to support their family so the kids can have this that whatever and they don't even have a relationship with their child. That's true. And Chris has such an amazing bond with Bryce. I have that bond. I carried him for nine months. There's a natural thing between moms and children yeah. that's mm-hmm. already there just because of that. But he now has this bond with Bryce that if he was out there working five days a week, yeah. he wouldn't have it. And that's mm-hmm. the most important gift that he can give Bryce is truly having daddy there. And doing all these things with him. Yeah.
3: And it's a gift to both him and I to have that relationship. It really is awesome.
1: Yeah. And like I, I said, so he has so much value that, and believe me, he does a lot of work around here <laughs> that I just can't stroke him a check for and give him a W 2. <laughs> but he does amazing things and he's always busy and it's not like he's sitting around eating popcorn and watching the news. Oh. You know, so you don't have to tell yeah, me it's a hard job what he does. Yeah. He just doesn't get a W two for it and we don't pay taxes on it. So there's the beauty <laughs> of it.
0: It's so true. I, I say that a lot too, because so because I do I do work part time and I've always worked uh like in the spa industry, I work a lot of like evenings and weekends. So it works out well because then Manny is the one who's home with the kids. Mm -hmm. And so from the time that Logan was a baby, he always would like a couple nights a week. He'd be the one, you know, doing bath time and bedtime. And then on Saturdays, I usually do a long day. It was Logan. He had Logan. Then he had Liliana. Now he has has everybody. (laughs) I always say, I'm like, even just that, that one, like full day with them, I think has just it's it's helped really everything so much because it's I think it's given him the perspective of what I do all day all yes. the time, mm-hmm. and it's like you said it's it's given him a a deeper connection with our children and he yes. he's just learned to, to be more capable. Cause I have so many friends who, you know, their husbands have like never been alone with their kids or maybe they, you know, they'll do, I'm using air quotes, like babysit. And it's like, yeah. oh, that's not, you're not babysitting <laughs> when it's your child, you're watching right. your kid right? It, or like taking them places. Like maybe they'll watch them when they're, you know, at home. So mom can go out and like run errands or whatever, but like, they don't take them to, you know, the zoo or the park or the movies, unless mom is there. And I think that like that is just it's so valuable for a dad to to do that stuff and to, to have that because otherwise it's like you kind of are the babysitter. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I agree. Yeah. Well, you guys are so much fun and I, I we could just talk all day, but I think we should probably wrap <laughs> things up. Um. So tell tell everyone again where they can find you and your podcast if they want to connect.
3: Sure. Sure. If they want to email us, if they have any questions for us, it's parentingautism at net. And then our website is www.parentingautismshow.com, and that's where they can find more information about us and our resources and our podcasts.
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on today. This was actually really fun to was, you, Megan. have a couple. <laughs> yeah, it worked out really well. All it right, did. you guys take care.
3: Thanks.
0: Okay, you thank too. you. Bye. Bye. Download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash adventures and autism, all one word. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash adventures and autism for your free audiobook. Okay, well I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Sandy and Chris. They were just so sweet and I really appreciate it everything they share, their honesty, especially Chris talking about his kind of mental health journey. I think that is something that affects so many of us, you know, special needs parents or not. And I appreciate anybody, you know, speaking openly about that because I think that they're, that's just helping everybody else who may be going through the same things. And I think it's also just, you know, helping to kind of end that stigma of sort of keeping things like hush hush and behind closed doors because that's another reason why I started this podcast. Let's just put it all on the table. So it was fun to talk to them too because they are fellow podcasters. And that's actually something that is going to be coming up quite a bit in the next few weeks. I have recently recorded with several other podcast hosts, which is fun because obviously I have stuff in common with them, but also, you know, for you guys as listeners, it gives you maybe a few new podcasts to check out, which. As a podcast listener, I am always looking for new podcasts to listen to. So definitely some good ones that are coming up. So again, if you want to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook at Adventures and Autism Podcast, on Instagram at Adventures and Autism Pod, or you can email me at Adventures and Autism2018 at yahoo.com. Love hearing from you guys. I'm still very close, but still trying to hit 100 reviews on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. So if you've been listening to the show and you enjoy it, but you haven't left a review yet, I would be so grateful if you would take a minute to leave a review. Thank you so, so much to everyone who has. I Every time I see a new review and just get to hear from you guys, it just honestly makes my day and makes all this worthwhile. (laughs) So thank you so much. And thanks again for coming to listen today. And until next time, take care.